coming up on This Week in Games, Sony unveils a sleek new PS5 controller. Riot breaks Twitch record, but with the help of outside forces. And Sony drops $400 million for stake in one of China's top video platforms. Coming up, This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and this was another giant week of business news in the game industry, and it really proves you don't have to be face-to-face to either raise millions of dollars or spend millions of dollars. So let's kick off this episode with the industry news rundown. First up, Sony reveals the DualShock 5, er, I mean the DualSense controller. So on a PlayStation blog post, Sony reveals the PlayStation 5's newest controller, the DualSense uh, it looks like a slightly like wider and more robust design than the traditional DualShock controller we know and love. Um, the button seems smoother, possibly less elevated, but honestly, these are just press pictures, so we'll have to really see when people get their hands on them, some videos, some 360s. The touchpad is returning, but this time along with haptic feedback for the pad, Sony hopes this leads to more adoption and innovation from developers using the touchpad in creative and new ways. The L2 and R2 controllers will also have adaptive feedback. So Sony explains that basically you shooting and you drawing and shooting a bow should feel completely differently than you firing a gun in different games. So that's very, very interesting. The share button returns, but the controller also features a built-in mic so that headsets are not necessarily required, though still recommend it. Um, frankly, I was sleeping on the PS5. Like I... Of course, I was going to give Sony whatever money they wanted for it, but I wasn't particularly hype. I mean, it just felt like like I thought this last console generation was the last generation of consoles. So the PS5 to me really feels like the last generation of consoles. But now I'm looking at it and it looks like Sony is making intelligent, innovative design decisions that will hopefully pan out and kind of like make the PS5, you know, a good iterative step in the gaming console uh, generations. Sony historically has been more conservative than Microsoft. You know, Microsoft shipped the Xbox One with the Kinect bundled with it. And uh, everyone feels conservative to Nintendo, who feels compelled to completely redesign controller paradigms every console. So um, it's pretty interesting to see Sony, you know, make good iterative design choices that, frankly, the other two haven't dived in. Like Nintendo, surprisingly, you know, they have rumbles and shakes, but they haven't really dived into haptic or adaptive controllers. So... Honestly, I can't wait to see how this feels. Sounds like hype, but I, I truly can't wait to see how this feels. All right, next up, Riot's new team-based shooter, Valorant, breaks a Twitch record, but there's more to the story. So despite being a closed beta game, The Verge is reporting that Valorant breaks the single-day hours watch record in a single category, Twitch record, at 34 million hours watched for Valorant. And it also is the second highest peak concurrence behind you know, Riot's own LCS 2019 championship. All this is not how it seems, however. So Valorant is in closed beta worldwide, but viewers can join the closed beta themselves by watching specific sponsored streams. So yep, Riot is taking a page out of the Escape from Targoth book by gamifying Twitch viewership in a certain way. Naturally, Riot is paying the top streamers like Dr. Disrespect and Summit1G. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, I really I do not keep up with um top twitch streamers so sorry if summit 1g is not it's probably like summity or i don't know who knows 
who knows? I'm old. Um, Riot is the Riot is following the same playbook that you know we saw in the battle royale wars of 2019 and 2018. Um, Pain top streamers of your competitive games to exclusively stream your game and then hopefully they stick with it and you do a kind of zeitgeist shift away from older games personally the squad based shooter is really not my forte i mean it everyone says this and it really is true if you watch it it really looks like a cross between counter-strike and overwatch but i can't truly comment on whether i think valorant has a future of course it's a new game everyone's hype on new stuff it's all novel right um whether it has its future, we'll see. However, honestly, Riot's marketing department is definitely doing their job and knocking it out of the park. This is generating crazy hype while we're stuck in shelter in place. So good job to Riot's marketing department. Really, this game right now has the legs to succeed. It's all up to the game. So good job. Um, next up, this is a good one. Um, and television is alive and well as the Amico announces over 10,000 pre-orders. So COVID isn't slowing down the product launches as the Neo Retro, yes, I made up that word Neo Retro, console, the Intellivision Amico, has over 10,000 pre-orders in just one week and has sold 100,000 uh, retailer copies. So not the retailers haven't sold them, they sold 100,000 copies to retail stores. Um, that's really impressive. I mean, this is a $250 Neo Retro console. The console has a, a library of Intellivision games that have been updated with modern graphics and sounds. Just go look at the videos online. You'll see exactly what I mean. The controllers actually look like Microsoft Zunes. If anyone remembers those old uh, Microsoft uh, MP3 players, looks just like that. Um, everything about this console honestly is awesome. <laughs> it's like throw logic out the window. It's just awesome that people are doing something like this. Um, I'm always supportive of niche hardware for games. I'm actually surprised we don't have more niche controllers, niche consoles. And other niche hardware designs for a small subset of games. Um, it's something I was really hype on. You know, those micro consoles like, uh, what's that terrible Android one that ended up dying? Everyone's probably screaming right now. Um, Ooyah, the Ooyah. Like, I really wanted more micro consoles. I'm really hype on that new black and white handheld um, that's coming out. Honestly, good luck to Intellivision. This is, it's really cool. Like, go look at the videos, whether you buy it or not. I think you should look at this console, look at the controllers, look at what they're doing with the game library. It's it's fun. That's all I'm going to say. It's fun. Good luck to you guys. I'm happy for you. Next up, Microsoft reveals Project X Cloud preview beta for Western Europe. So this isn't the biggest news of the day, but uh, in an Xbox News blog post, Microsoft revealed Project X Cloud will officially expand to 11 European countries, mostly in the West. Android users can register for the preview of X Cloud on the Project X Cloud website. The preview is specifically focusing on mobile phones and tablets from everything I've read. Um, I'm sure this was like a GDC or E3 announcement that was meant to be much bigger than a blog post, probably due to the lack of press events. Microsoft released it anyway to start generating people who are interested in the kind of preview. So makes sense. And speaking of lack of press events, the ES ESA announces there will be no digital E3. Then they run it back and say, well, maybe not. <laughs> so PC Gamers reporting that after the shuttering of E3 2020, the ESA has decided not to hold a digital E3 event, but then shortly updated the same article stating that the ESA may hold digital presentations after all. So really, like this is me guessing. I, I'm not involved in these conversations, but I think there's a lot of politics around the cancellation of E3 and around IGN's summer of gaming stepping up to take the E3 mantle for 2020 with their all-digital event. 
E3 was the biggest show in gaming, but E3 was already losing ground as major publishers and platform platform holders um, were pulling out every year. It seemed to be more and more people pulling out of E3. I've covered the run up to E3 2020, all the people pulling out. Um, and now that IGN has stepped up to fill in the press gap for 2020, the ESA may be reconsidering having some sort of digital presence to not lose their ground and mantle as the premier gaming expo. I mean, this is like, if the ESA were to lose E3, it'd be a huge blow to them, not only as an association, uh, a trade association, but as like, kind of like their, I hate to say their true meaning and power, because they also oversee the ESRB, but really like their biggest weapon and their biggest claim to fame, which would be E3. So I think, you know, they've already said this, they're going to reinvent E3 for 2021. That's a great idea. Hopefully they come up with good ideas. They get everyone reunited around one event. And, uh, you know, we'll just see what happens with 2020. It's going to be a mess regardless. Next up, this, this article sucks. I really feel bad for these developers. So Rogue, Super Evil Megacorp's partner, officially shuts down all Vainglory servers outside of China, citing server costs. So going to Vainglory subreddit on Reddit to break the news, Super Evil Megacorp's CEO Christian Sergashraw stated that they were working around the clock to take control of Vainglory servers. So Sergashraw basically cited that the failed project Spellfire as a possible black mark and the partnership between Rogue and Super Metal Evil Megacorp and Rogue basically abruptly shut down all of Vainglory's servers. And it's unclear whether Super Evil Megacorp knew this was coming and how much time they had to prepare for this and cite a message. But reading the subreddit, it really reads like, like Rogue just woke up and was like, oh, you guys are done and just shut down all the servers. All the players can't access the game. It's pretty messy. Netties will continue to publish Vainglory worldwide, but honestly, it, it's really bad. Like it, re, it does read like Rogue just woke up and decided to shut down Vainglory due to server costs. Either way, extremely—I don't want to say childish, but in the same vein of childish—to screw over a partner like that. It'll make any developer think twice about partnering with Rogue in the future. And I, I 100% am sure that there's another side to the story, but without Rogue releasing a public statement of their own about the events from their own perspective. This is terrible PR for Rogue. So Rogue just shuts down Vainglory servers. They're a partner with Super Evil Megacorp. And then Super Evil Megacorp has to go to Reddit and be like, well, they randomly shut down our server, so we're working around the clock to get you guys the game you love. And Rogue says nothing, as far as I can tell right now. So pretty messy situation. I feel really bad. Um, Vainglory clearly has a passionate fan base that's still engaged and hopefully Super Evil Megacorp can support them while working on the two upcoming projects. All right, let's get to the business news. All right, first up, Sony pays $400 million for a 5% stake in Billy Billy. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. Sorry. <laughs> Billy... Billy Billy is one of the top entertainment platforms in China. It's basically a video platform, kind of like YouTube, but instead of adding comments in a thread below the video, you can add subtitles or comments anywhere on the screen at any point in the video. And it makes it like a cross between a living live forum and a video. It's very interesting. Go check it out online. It mainly features animation games and comic videos and claims to 130 million monthly active users, which is Absolutely amazing. According to Kama Sutra, Sony is paying $400 million for 17.3 million newly issued Clash Z shares. Um, 
Clash Z shares, which I had to look up on what the hell those are on the Investopedia, are generally using mutual funds and are the class of stock shares that employees buy who buy into the company that they work at the fund for. So if you work at a mutual fund and you want to buy into the mutual fund, you don't do it through regular channels. You buy it through these Clash Z shares, which are available to employees. And they have some advantages. You can go read the nuances on um, what advantages they have versus what they don't. Cerny stated this investment was for collaboration related to anime and mobile mobile game projects in China. Billy Billy was described as the most popular video app for Chinese people under 30. Um, that's how a bunch of people have described it. So it makes sense uh, that Sony would want this as a strategic partnership for them to launch new anime or mobile games um, in China. You know, most of you are going like, Sony anime, what? You got to remember, like, Sony was the one who did Full Metal Alchemist. So Sony's very big into anime space. They just aren't like a, you know, aren't like a anyone like a, a a shonen jump or something but they're pretty big in it and obviously mobile games is a giant market in china next up the embracer group thq nordic's parent company raises another astounding 164 million dollars for acquisitions and investments so this company has been covered numerous times on this week in games before including an episode where i did a deep dive into their structure and history last year but this last string of fundraising has me pretty excited. GameIndustry.biz is reporting the $164 million will be for direct issue shares to investors. The Embracer Group is on its way to becoming, honestly, like one of the top games holding and investment firms in the world behind the likes of Tencent, NetEase, Activision Blizzard, and Nintendo. It seems that every year this company raises between $150 and $250 million for expansions. And just earlier in February, they dropped over $500 million to acquire Saber Interactive. Honestly, the real question for me is like, what is the $160 million earmark for? Clearly, they have a target. Who are they? Who who out there is looking to offload this kind of assets to a holding group? I mean, if you have to think about it, like how many companies are truly worth $160 million? And there's a lot of them, but how many of them are also willing to give it up? It's pretty exciting. So, you know, whenever the Embracer Group has a war chest, they're going to spend it. So I'm sure we'll find out in probably like four to six months. And uh, I'll cover it right here for you guys. Next up, Network sets aside $50 million for a new growth fund to help scale mobile games. So that's Network with the three instead of the first E because I'm sure the word Network was copyrighted. Out the Wazoo. So Network is a mobile game publisher known for legendary Game of Heroes, Tetris, and Poplets, but is finding but is trying to grow usage of their NSP, which is Network Scale Program. NSP is a marketing analytics and deploy and manage ad campaigns um, kind of like service. This is something that a lot of large studios have as inter- internal technology tools. So at Zynga, we have these built internally proprietary to Zynga, but smaller studios honestly could get infinite benefit from these because frankly they don't have time to invest in um, solutions themselves and make them from scratch and they also probably don't want a patchwork of Frankenstein of individual tools so having these tools all bundled under one company that's responsible for them makes a lot of sense according to Network's website the 50 million dollar growth program has three steps number one you create an account Number two, if there's a good fit, we'll run up to $10,000 worth of performance marketing campaigns on your game and share the results with you. 
Sounds great. Spend $10,000 on my game, please. Um, based on the results of the pilot, we'll work with you on the terms of the publishing partner. So makes perfect sense. I'm sure there's a lot of fine details within there. So don't take it word for word. Um, Network said they'll help scale 100 games next year with games receiving up to a maximum of $1.5 million, which is you know, pretty good, to be honest. It's not like make it the top 10 of your category based on the war chest alone, but definitely can make the difference between, you know, you clearing hundreds of thousands of dollars and you clearing millions of dollars. Honestly, this is great for a lot of teams, depending on the terms of the partnership. Again, read the fine line, the fine print, whatever it's called, and don't give away your IP or all your profits through Hollywood accounting. But if everything's kosher, this could be a win-win for network and their partners. As a partner, you would get growth money for a game that likely couldn't reach the success without the UA war chest and the analytics that network is claiming to provide. So if you're a small team, honestly, check them out. Might be worth your time. And last story of the week. Vela Games raises $3.1 million in the increasingly more popular second seed round. So Dublin-based Vela Games raises their second seed round of funding after raising $3.7 million in seed round back in June of 2019, bringing their total fundraising to $6.9 million. Their company was formed from Riot team members back in 2018, but have yet to say anything meaningful about what game they're actually making and pretty much anything else about the company. <laughs> um, I always wonder why companies take a second seed round, especially when it's very close to their first. I mean, we're talking about... A little over six months away. Um, did they burn their cash flow? Did they misjudge or mismanage the original fundraising? Or, you know, on a more positive spin, is there a growth opportunity that they quickly need uh, capital to take advantage of? So either way, Bella now has the cash and the team to make something really impactful in the game industry. So like always, um, let's see and wait uh, for what they announce and what their big game actually is. Also, um, that's it for this weekend games, but I want to state out that a reviewer has requested that I link to the stories that I cover in each episode in the show notes um, for this weekend games. So starting this episode, you can find links to each and every story from this show um, in the show notes. So check those out. And like always, if you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Also, leave me a comment and let me know how I'm doing. I will try to act on it, <laughs> and you can email me at eric at thisweekingames.com. That's E-R-I-C at thisweekingames.com if you have any comments or suggestions on future stories. All right, that's it. Another episode in the bag. I'm Eric McConnell. Come back next week, and we'll do it all over again. Take care.